Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algeman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. Today, I'm joined by Adam Mendler. Adam is the CEO of the Veloz Group, where he co-founded and oversees ventures across a wide variety of industries. He has Beverly Hills Chairs, the leading seller of refurbished Herman Miller Aeron chairs in the country. Custom Tobacco, a one-of-a-kind e-commerce platform where customers can create fully customized private label cigars in real time. And Veloz Solutions, a technology consulting and software development practice. Adam is also a nationally acclaimed thought leader, writer, and speaker on topics including data leadership, or not data leadership, regular leadership, I do data leadership, (laughs) (laughs) entrepreneurship, and management. Adam is the creator and host of the podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, where each week he goes one-on-one with one of the most successful people in the country on how they got to the top and how listeners can too. Adam, welcome to the show. Why don't you give the audience a little bit of more background? I, I, uh... Apologize for botching that intro, but I, I think hopefully uh, people realize we have a great guest here who does a whole bunch of stuff. And like we said pre-show, we're not going to have any trouble filling the time today. Anthony, on the contrary, thank you so much for the unbelievable intro. Thank you so much for having me. I don't know how I can give myself a better intro than that. I don't even think my mom could give a better <laughs> intro than that. That was really good. So thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you and with your audience. Thank you. So, Adam, you've done a lot of stuff, and and obviously, right now, we're recording this in the kind of heart of the COVID-19 lockdown and, you know, working from home. Um, you know, I think my first question for you is, you, you've done a lot of different initiatives, and you're juggling a lot of balls all at the same time. What has this lockdown crisis taught you about your businesses, or what kinds of um, adjustments have you had to make when you're doing so many different things at once? It's uh, a really good question. I, I think what it's done is it's reinforced a lot of the principles that I've always believed in. Mm. I've always believed that as a leader, you need to be very nimble. You need to be very flexible. You need to be open to change. You need to understand that what happened yesterday may not necessarily happen today or happen tomorrow. You need to be able to pivot on a moment's notice. When you have a job, you may not necessarily be as open to change as you are when you're an entrepreneur. When you're an entrepreneur, you have no choice but to be open to change. Things change all the time. You're forced to change because of actions by your competitors, actions by your customers, actions by the market. So since my time starting the Velos Group, since my time starting the different businesses that I've built and run, um, I've learned how to lead adaptive businesses. And that served me well in this moment, uh, this unique moment. And to give you an example, um, we have three businesses that we run underneath the Veloz Group umbrella. One of the three businesses has been completely crushed by coronavirus. And um, another one has been hurt pretty badly by it. And then another one um, is in some ways benefiting, but and in other ways hurting. So what we've had to do is we've had to kind of, you know, 
shift resources around and pivot and change and adapt and kind of change the way that we were behaving pre-corona to post-corona. So our principles have been the same, but our tactics have been different. Yeah. And I imagine that right now, I mean, and like any business owner right now, we're all in survival mode. Like none of this was part of the uh, plan for 2020. And so there's a lot of adjusting on the fly uh, you have to do. And that that is is true in terms of, of the financial side. That's true in terms of the um, employee side. And, and so many just operating aspects ha- have to evolve uh, when we had very little notice of, of doing so. So it's 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 a tough time, I imagine, to to be on the other side of the microphone here where I'm asking you about all your advice as an entrepreneur, when it probably <laughs> is a tough time to feel like it's tough to feel confident about what you're doing because everything has been disrupted. And so I think that's um, I think that's at a point, though, that for the folks that are watching or listening to this, um, that they might realize, hey, you know, Everybody is human and the people that have been very successful, we all have challenges. We all have questions. We all have some doubts. And so um, it doesn't dissuade you, though. I mean, I I, I want to ask you because I'll ask you some about um, your advice to people that are looking to become entrepreneurs. But first, you know, you've had a background where you've worked for larger organizations or investment banks and the financial side. What was it that made you say I need to take a leap into doing something different. I need to become an entrepreneur myself. What was that? And could you tell me a little bit about that that piece of, of your career history? Yeah, uh, Anthony, really good question. I, I do want to address something that you made a comment on hmm. um, as you were transitioning into this question, which is a really astute point, which is we're all human. We're all fallible. Um, I know that I'm sitting here providing quote-unquote expert advice. Do you know what Mark Twain said about experts? I forget. What was Mark Twain? He said, an expert is just an ordinary person from another town. Uh, So I like using that line because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And look, I'm here to share the best insights that I can from my own personal experiences building, running, growing businesses from my own experiences, interviewing and connecting with and speaking with America's most successful people, hundreds of top leaders. I try to call the insights that I can from people who have made it and share them. But even the most successful people have failed and failed quite dramatically along the way. And that's actually one of the things that on my podcast, I really try to probe and I appreciate you bringing that up with your listeners. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's not how you fail. It's not whether you fail because everyone fails. It's how you respond to failure. And the fact that one of my businesses is getting hit by coronavirus. I, 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 the reason why I'm bringing this up is I don't want to sound like a victim because I'm not a victim. At the end of the day, one of my businesses is getting hit by coronavirus and it's my job as a leader to respond. All I can do is respond. I can't be victimized. All I, all I can do is pivot and shift. And we'll talk about that later on the show if you want to, but I do wanna address your actual question, which was a good one. And I'll try to address it concisely, which is I was 28. 
I felt like it was the right time in my life personally and professionally to take the leap. I felt like I had enough experience to know what it was like to work in corporate America. I felt like I uh, wasn't high enough on the corporate ladder where it wasn't that hard for me to move. Yeah. It wasn't like I was giving up uh, a seven figure job by any means. I was giving up a comfortable career path, but I wasn't walking away from something that I couldn't walk away from at that moment in my life. Whereas seven years later, uh, who knows if I would have been able to walk away. I don't, don't think I would have been able to walk away. So I felt like at age 28, my expenses were never going to be lower. My energy was never going to be higher. For a variety of reasons, it was the right time for me to try it. I also knew that if it didn't work out, what was the worst thing that could happen? We talked a little bit about failure. If I failed, and and trust me, I have failed many times along this journey. Um, If I failed and my business didn't make it, okay, I would get back up and go back to corporate America or go back to going and working for someone else. But this was the right time for me to go and take a chance. Yeah. And and I think that you bring up a really important point for folks listening out there that may have had what felt like a stable career path a month ago may now be trying to figure out what's next because they've been furloughed or, or don't have the stability that they that they thought they did. And I think that um, it's, it's reconciling that and realizing, hey, even even what felt like a stable, reliable job may not be the case. Um, you know, having that courage to, to go out and do it and say, you know what, I, I want to take this chance because I believe in what I can build and I, and I trust my own capabilities to do so. Um, you know, that that takes courage. But I think that's a courage that everyone could have if they think about it and they commit to it and they have an idea that they want to pursue. I, I hope that everyone can can feel that way because it uh, to me is, is something that, um, you know, is is it, it's both inspiring and it, it, it's kind of like the way I think of it is it's, it's almost like taking some dirty glasses and, and cleaning them off and being able to see through them more clearly. Um, it's, it's, I think, a closer reality to, um, you know, what's what's true out there in, in the business community to say, if I can go and build something that matters and that can be profitable and that can provide an income uh, for myself and maybe for others, then I can prove to myself that what I'm doing is is truly valuable. I think that, um, you know, one of the core principles of, of data leadership is, you know, taking this data and doing stuff with it and creating something that has more benefit than the cost it takes to produce. And I think that there's plenty of people out there that go their entire career and don't really know if they ever created enough to overcome what they cost. And I think that when you're in a more entrepreneurial an entrepreneurial setting, um, you know that very clearly all the time. You know, you kind of touched on something that I don't really talk all that much about, but it, it is very central to why I started the business. And that is really the values of my company, the values of who I am just as a human being. Mm. I, I, I talk, this is something I do talk a lot about. The things you think about and things you worry about as an entrepreneur are very different than things you think and worry about when you have a job. Yeah. When you have a job, 
you know, you, you ask yourself, am I fulfilled? Am I my best self? Am I doing what I should be doing with my time? When you're an entrepreneur, you're worried about, am I going to make payroll? Am I going to be in business tomorrow? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? So there are kind of different levels of worries. But I was definitely at a point in my life when I felt like I needed to do something that enabled me to make more of a difference. I needed to do something that enabled me to make more of an impact. I think that as an entrepreneur, you're always in that mode. So it's Mm -hmm. the reason why I don't really talk about it that much now is because I feel like every day my default mode is how am I making an impact? How am I helping people? Whether it's through one of my businesses, whether it's through my podcast, whether it's through speaking, even posting on social media, I try to throw things up there that will empower and inspire people. So it's become second nature for me to try to inspire and empower people that you almost forget about the reason that you got into into this in the first place, which was to do just that. Um, when you have a job, it's kind of easy to forget about the higher purpose things that really should be driving you every single day. And um, I was at a point in my life when fortunately I I was able to kind of push myself to make that move and I just haven't looked back. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fantastic point. And, you know, in the early days of many businesses, especially if you're kind of bootstrapping and trying to just get by day to day, you start off in this kind of survival mode where you think so much about things you don't want to think about, like cash flows and payroll and all of those all of those just survival aspects. But then you reach a point where then you can start to really think about what is the impact that we're having and focus solely on your customers which and, and, and the people you're serving, which is really that important thing. That's that values-based um, driver that you're talking about. And I think that that's such a, being able to turn that corner and, and get to that point and, and think about how how can I serve the community around me? That to me is, is that ultimate reason to be doing this, ultimate reason to be going out there and saying, I want to make this mark in a way that people can get value from. And you do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it because it's the thing that you 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 know you can do and so it's an honor to do. And and that's the in in my business the more I find and this is and and I really want to talk about your podcast as well. Um but one of the reasons I've started this podcast was that I said, "Okay, what is a thing that I could do to connect with folks and give them some insights that I might be able to provide them that may be hard for them to get otherwise." And it's not about a business plan, it's not about making money, it's really just about how do I help give something to people that is something I can give? And it's been honestly one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. It's it's awesome. one of those things that I feel like, wow, just being able to meet folks like yourself who, you know, we didn't know each other for 10 years or anything like before this this uh this recording. Um, but to have a moment to be able to share that and just talk for a little while and have people listen and learn from a conversation that we managed to set up. It's a pretty cool feeling to know that at least dozens of people will listen to this at some point, I think. I don't know. Hopefully more. But, but you know, it's it's that's, that's not as important as 
doing it as the exercise of making it happen. And so let's use that as an opportunity to talk some more about your podcast. What what made you go into podcasting and um, you know choose the format that you did? I'm really curious about that. Well, really good question, Anthony, and thanks for the kind words. This is an absolute pleasure. No way I'd rather spend my time in quarantine than <laughs> hanging out with you. So. The bar is low, but I'll take what I can get. <laughs> so, um, no, it, it, all, all joking aside, uh, this is a lot of fun for me. I love the opportunity to really get to talk about this stuff. I mean, what else? What's better than this? Yeah. This is this is it i mean this is i love it so um to answer your question that's why i started my podcast <laughs> but i i've always believed very strongly in the power of mentorship my show is mm -hmm. called 30 minute mentors yeah i've been a very big beneficiary of mentorship and when you think of mentors you think of that one great mentor that you have in your life or you've had in your life mm -hmm. maybe you've had two mentors or three mentors but in reality, and, and I've been the beneficiary of some great mentors, mentors who tremendously uh, impacted me personally and professionally. Yeah. But there's something that I write about and speak about that I think everyone should be aware of. That is what I call mini mentors. Mm -hmm. And the concept is not to replace your primary mentor, but what if you had access to the smartest, most accomplished, most successful people you can? Now, you don't have access to them 24-7, but you have access to them once or maybe twice. And you could pick their brain on the topic that you need their help. So let's say, for example, Anthony, um, I'm having an issue in my company. I'm just using this because of the topic of today's show and your show being data leadership. Um, let's say I'm having an issue around data management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, my background, I have some background in big data, but I don't have a PhD in big data. It's not where I've spent my time studying. I have an MBA, I've built businesses. Uh, it would be, as a leader, uh, it would be in my best interest to try to pick the brain of the best expert I can on the topic of data management. Yeah. Now, you, let's apply that to any other subject. Let's use the example of, um, I don't know, just this podcast conversation, right? Uh, the, the audio right now is really good. Why is the audio really good? I don't know anything about audio, but uh, I, I've someone who I called who's who's an expert on audio. He does he sets up audio for he does lots of movies and TV shows. And I called him up and said, "Hey, I'm starting a podcast. What do I do? Can you help me?" So the ability to have access to the most successful and accomplished and talented and capable people has served me well. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to take that and bring it to a, as broad an audience of listeners as I can. So the idea that I had was to take my ability to 
connect with really successful founders, CEOs, celebrities, athletes, military leaders, generals, admirals, people who have made it in life, people who have reached the status that most people look at and say, how do I get to that level? Um, I wanted to bring them on for 30 minutes and ask them, how did you get to the top? More importantly, what advice do you have for listeners on how they can get to the top as well? And really hone in on areas in which they have deep expertise. So if I'm interviewing military leaders, I'll focus a lot on leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm interviewing, for example, a I recently interviewed, the episode's going to come out uh, in the spring, but I I did an interview with the founder of Electronic Arts. Mm. So I asked him about questions that would be really interesting and pertinent to people who are interested in entrepreneurship and people who are interested in business and leadership and obviously asked him questions related to video games and that industry. Mm. So I try to really tailor my questions both toward the audience that I think is going to be interested in consuming this kind of content more broadly, and then also to people who might be interested in episode-specific content. So at a very high level, um, my goal really is to give as broad a group of listeners as possible the ability to, over the course of 30 minutes, take practical, actionable advice that they can incorporate into their lives and apply it to become better personally and professionally. That's awesome. I think too, like I couldn't help but think like these folks have excelled to an extreme extent in at least one aspect of their lives. And I like that you're not trying to, to say that, Every single person is that you interview is is wonderful in every way because they've done this thing. You're, you're, you're targeting it in such a way that says, learn from this aspect that this person does and try to apply some of it as you can to improve your own life. I just think, too, like I'll, I'll never forget. I had the experience um, right after high school. I worked at a country club. And I worked in the the halfway house where the the people that are golfing would go get their hot dogs and beers and and all of that stuff, a lot of beers. And uh, they um they would come through. And these are people that often were you know household names, people that in the I live in the Chicagoland area and did at the time, you know that had been doing a a tremendous amount in business and and could be in the news and and all of this. And it was fascinating to me, um you know to see them in a different element, just on the golf course, being social with their friends or what have you. And a couple of things stood out. One, they didn't have all the answers for me. They had some. They, they were interesting folks, but they're just people, too. And it's kind of the theme of the show, it seems like, is that, you know, that human side is that we're all flawed. We're all people. We're all trying to figure it out. And even the people on the surface, even the people you have on your show, they're trying to figure out other stuff. They figured out some of it, but they're figuring it out more too. And that's, you know, in talking with you, like we're always trying to get better. And I think it's a big mistake if we think, hey, this person has it all figured out. No one has it all figured out. No one's ever had it all figured out. But a lot of people have done some things that can really teach us some stuff. And if we can pull that forward, you know, we can learn from it and get better ourselves. Would you agree with that? I, I don't want to put words. Yeah, in def- no, yeah. definitely. Actually, actually um, a guest who um, I've had on my I've interviewed you. The episode hasn't been released yet. It's another episode that'll be 
coming out in June, but um, he told me he was interested as to how much he's had in common with some of these other guests. He's a, not only a guest of the show, but also a listener and a, a subscriber of the show. And he's listened to the episodes that have been out so far. And he's told me, you know, who knew how much I had in common with the CEO of Gold's Gym? And who knew I, how much I had in common with this person and with that person? And at the end of the day, something that I talk a lot about, and I give a talk to businesses and to universities and to nonprofits. And I give a bunch of different talks, but one of the talks I give is lessons learned from America's top leaders. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's interesting to me, at least hopefully it's interesting to other people as well. Hopefully it's interesting to your listeners is the core principles of leadership are universal. Yeah. What you learn from listening to my show, what you learn from listening to these interviews is that what you'll hear a general talk about, what you'll hear an admiral talk about is incredibly applicable to the founder of a small startup company, incredibly applicable to the middle market manager of a you know, you name it, whatever company in whatever industry. Uh, I've had um, advice from, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs. And you take whatever advice and you apply it to any company size, any organization, any industry. And it's just good core leadership principles, good core business principles um, are important no matter where and when and how you apply them. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. It, it, it comes back to, to understanding too, that these folks, like you had mentioned, uh, they, they failed too. They have, they have struggled and learned and, and adjusted and have a, that story to tell. And so to be able to connect with them and, and bring them forward, I think, you know, that is, you know, it, it, it's I, I can only like I, I think I can put myself in your shoes because our, our topical frameworks with our podcasts are, are relatively similar, but it feels like such a, a honor, so humbling to, to be able to have folks on your show and learn from them in a more structured capacity than typical mentorship happens. A lot of times mentorship happens in ways that you don't even realize. And sometimes you look back and say, wow, I didn't realize that for those five years that I worked there, this person was mentoring me every single day. And I never called them that. I never thought of them that way in, in terms of the actual label. But that relationship really was one where I learned so much from this person. And and I love the, the you called him a, a micro mentor, or min, mini mentor, right? What was it mini mentor. Mini mentor. Mini mentor. Mini mentor. Yeah. It, it that notion of these these almost like you know ephemeral um you know opportunities that may only come by you know briefly and one time in your entire life to learn from that person um you know those are opportunities to 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 go from and the more i've had as i've grown in my career opportunities to mentor others the more i realize that's not a one directional relationship in any way that is absolutely something that the mentor benefits from as well have you gotten that i'm curious because you've talked to a lot of these folks on your podcast have you had um 
Have you gotten insights about how they've benefited from spending time as a mentor themselves? Because I imagine some folks that are listening to this have teams or have people that that look to them. What are those benefits of being a mentor from what you've seen? Yeah, it's a question that I don't ask all guests, but I do ask some guests. And I try to keep the questions fresh and I try not to um, ask the same questions to every guest. Actually, the biggest challenge that I have is I put myself in a little bit of a box because of the name of the show. It's 30 minute mentors and I'm interviewing the most interesting people that I could possibly talk to. And it's actually a pretty big challenge to confine the show to 30 minutes because, you know, I think about it. If you had access to the most interesting people you could talk to, you'd want to talk to them for more than 30 minutes. And these conversations will often run for a lot longer and I then have to figure out how do I take the best 30 minutes of audio and chop it down? And that's not fun. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did an interview with, um, Oh, we could go on and on about this, <laughs> but, but I do ask some guests specifically about mentorship guests who, um, who actually make that a point of, discussion either in their background or if I think it's particularly relevant. And um, also another question I'll I'll ask about mentorship is advice on how to find a good mentor, Mm -hmm. advice Mm -hmm. on how to be a good mentor. Um, So it is a topic that comes up. To answer your question directly, how does being a mentor impact um, the person who is in the mentor seat. I think it's different for every person. I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to that question, but it's like anything else you do when you're, when, when you're, um, giving back, you're often receiving as much as you are giving. So I, I think that Oftentimes, people who are mentoring feel that and really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, while we still have some time, let's let's track back to some advice that you have, going back to the entrepreneurial side especially. Um, for folks that are listening to this, maybe in lockdown, maybe thinking about what comes next, what are the few bits of advice that you would have if you had to go and jump into on, you know entrepreneurial pursuits for the first time, or if you were thinking about starting something new? What are those kind of checklist of items or things that you would be top of mind to say, get this stuff figured out first and then do the, the business plan, then do the, the launching of the things. What are those, those bits of wisdom? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the core principles of entrepreneurship are the same today as they were a month ago, two months ago. Yeah. So I think that as an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, you need to follow the basics. You need to make sure that you have a really good idea. You need to take that idea and test it. You need to understand who your customer is. You need to do deep market research. You need to understand your competition. You need to understand, you, you need to do the basics. You need, you kind of need to do the, the basic blocking and tackling. Yeah. So I think that even with everything going on right now with coronavirus, that can't be overlooked. 
the importance of building a customer-centric business. It's no more important today than it was yesterday. It's no less important today. It was always the most important thing. Without a customer, you don't have a business, period. I, I was writing articles about customer centricity from the time I started writing articles. And I was gonna keep talking about it as long as I can talk. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all this crisis is doing in that sense is it's highlighting the importance of doing what you need to do. Now, with that said, there are certain areas of opportunity and there are certain areas that you probably want to stay away from because of coronavirus. I'm not necessarily sure that this is the best time to open up a restaurant in a mall, you know, in, uh, in the middle of a downtown area in a big city. Probably not the best time to do that. Um, there are lots of industries, there are lots of companies, there are lots of verticals that are getting crushed by coronavirus. We probably don't have the time to name all of them because unfortunately there are so yeah. many. Yeah. On the flip side, there are lots of opportunities. There are tons of opportunities. So as an entrepreneur, I would look at what are the areas that are being positively impacted by coronavirus? What are the trends? So we'll just use my business as an example. So I have uh, an office furniture company called Beverly Hills Chairs. Here, I'm going to take a quick pause so people who are watching this on YouTube can see one of my chairs. Ah. Can you see it? So that's one of my, we, we sell, to, to those of you who don't know, there's a chair called the Herman Miller Aeron chair. I'm sitting in a Herman Miller Mira chair. Herman Miller is the largest office furniture company in America. They're a billion dollar company. What we do is we buy used Herman Miller chairs and other used high-end chairs. We refurbish them and we resell them. So a Herman Miller Aeron chair, which is the chair that everyone wants. I, I personally like the Mira chair, which is why I sit in there. But that's the chair that everyone wants that sells for $1,200 brand new. And what we do is we buy those chairs, we refurbish them, and we sell them for five to $600 a chair. And again, we do that for other brands. Before coronavirus, our customer was a small to medium-sized business. We sold to lots of them. Tech companies, companies in the entertainment industry, financial services, law firms, you name it. Mm -hmm. Since coronavirus hit, None of those companies are buying chairs anymore because none of those companies are in offices anymore. That's right. But what's happening? Everyone is working from home and everyone needs a chair for their home office. Yeah. We have been getting flooded with inquiries from people who say, I have been sitting in a Herman Miller Aeron chair at my job as a software developer, my job as a lawyer. And my job as an accountant, and my job is this, and my job is that. I'm now working from home, and I need a chair for my home office so that I can start working. Yeah. I, before our podcast today, I was doing um, an interview, not as a guest, but I was interviewing someone to possibly intern for us in the summer. And I was telling them about our business, and I said, 
what kind of chair are you sitting in right now? I'm sure you're sitting in a chair because you're a student. You used to sit in a classroom or in your dorm room. Now you're at your parents' house. And if you're doing work, you're probably sitting in a chair doing it. People need chairs, but the model has changed. Yeah. So yeah. we've had to adapt. We had to adapt our marketing. We had to adapt our communication. We had to adapt in other ways. It's an example of how, as entrepreneurs, we are adapting. And it's an example how entrepreneurs who are thinking about what businesses to go into should think about how do I adapt to the changing tide of the market. It's also an opportunity for anyone who's interested in a chair for their home office to contact us. Just go to beverlyhillschairs.com. Quick plug there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm thrilled to, to <laughs> hear about it myself. I'm like, this chair I'm sitting in is terrible. I need a new <laughs> chair. I deserve a Herman Miller Aeron chair. No, it's a, I, I'm, I'm serious though. I think I need a chair. Beverlyhillschairs.com. <laughs> one of One of the happiest um, <laughs> plugs I will give on this show because I, you know, I'm not. I'm not only a supporter. I'm also a client, or something like that. I, I hope hope to be soon. Because uh, yeah, seriously, I need a chair. I was thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, this is this might just be perfect. All right. So um, yeah, no, that I think. I mean, but that's that's great. And I'm sure you have challenges not just in terms of the the companies that are looking or the folks that are looking to buy from you. It's probably obviously more individuals now. Some companies provide chairs for their home workers or whatever. But I imagine that you also are dealing with um supply pinches and and like where you've sourced your chairs from has probably changed sub substantially how you prepare those chairs how you maintain safe working environments for the folks that are doing that work or how you're contracting with organizations um to make that happen it's you know everything all of a sudden gets twisted around and it's got to be great that yes you have some new inquiries and business is good but it causes a lot of challenges to a model you thought you had ironed out through the previous work that you've done so it's i think it's a great story that literally everyone can relate to because we are all like man, I really shouldn't have bought that bargain basement chair for the home office. I'm really <laughs> regretting that right now. So, Anthony, you really nailed it. Um, you, you truly nailed it. Couldn't have said it better. We're very grateful that this, um, that there's unbelievable demand for what we're selling right now. But, but yes, uh, there have been challenges to the supply chain as a result of coronavirus. This has led to disruption that we were clearly not expecting and that everyone up and down the supply chain wasn't expecting. So, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. And as an entrepreneur, all you can do is adapt as a leader. All you can do is adapt. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's great wisdom. Well, we're pretty much at time. Uh, do you have any other bits of advice for, for our viewers and, and listeners out there or, and uh, yeah, and then we'll, we'll wrap up the show. Well, uh, my first piece of advice is, is keep tuning into this show. This is great. Anthony, thank you so much thank for having you. me. This was an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I think we covered on all the keynotes. The one thing that I would like to add is I really encourage everyone to stay as positive as possible in these times. I know that it can be challenging with everything going on. Um, First and foremost, I hope that everyone listening is staying healthy physically, is staying healthy mentally, is staying strong. Yeah. And I think it's incumbent upon us to really 
take this period um, and use it in the way that we can to try to make ourselves better to the extent possible, whether it's improving personally or improving professionally. There are opportunities for us to do that. And this podcast is one. Hopefully my podcast is another. And um, I really just implore anyone and everyone listening to take charge, to really use this period to become your best self to the extent possible. Yeah, that's great advice. That is great advice. So thank you, Anna Mendler, for for joining us today on the on the podcast. Folks out there, 30 Minute Mentors, um, BeverlyHillsChairs.com. Uh, we'll include uh, information and links in the show notes. Thank you for watching or listening today. Uh, please remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of our show on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find information about supporting the show directly and how to get a signed copy of my Data Leadership book at patreon.com forward slash data leadership lessons. Visit algman.com to learn more about Algman Data Leadership and the many ways we can help you become a data leader. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact.